All right, so here this morning with uh, Karen and Rochelle from Tauranga Intermediate School. So maybe, uh, first of all, if you just give a real brief introduction and your, your position here in the school and your role in assessment. Okay, um, my name is Rochelle Jensen and I'm one of the deputy principals here. We have two academic deputy principals and I'm one of them. Um, I'm Karen Mills and I'm a syndicate leader of Remu House, which is the multimedia syndicate. And I'm also within school... Um, teacher and my EBI is on assessment methodologies. Okay, so we're focusing on assessment, so maybe just give us a taste of some assessment practices here at uh, Intermediate. Okay, so our assessment practices start when our kids come um, to us and we have developed some systems so that we can get the um, most information from our Year 6 students when they come in so we can kind of hit the ground running with them. Um, a lot of that we get their assessment data from the primary schools. It's transferred straight through onto our SMS. Um, kids that are out of zone students, um, we have to get that manually from those students. So sometimes that's, that's quite hard. We don't know a lot about them. Um, depending on which syndicate they're going in, some kids come in um, having been tested by us for the gifted and talented classes. Uh, last year we got all of our students to do a writing sample on orientation day so that the te year 7 teachers all had information right there with, about their writing. Um, when they first come in, the year 7s um, have a little bit more assessment in term one because we need to know a little bit more about them, for example, writing samples, baseline data for reading, maths, um, using ASTL, uh, ICANN tests, GLOSS tests. Uh, the year eights um, don't have that because we have, they've had assessment, um, we've got information from the end of year seven about them. So the assessment on year eights is a, is a lighter load um, than the year sevens. Uh, we have our rubrics in our school which have been developed um, so students and we've converted um, things like the literacy learning progressions, um, all the national standards into rubric, into child speak. Um, so they form a huge part of the assessment practices at this school. Um, kids are kind of providing evidence of what they can do. Um, the rubrics move from level two right through to level five, but we, we do have kids working at level six um, in the gifted and talented program. Um, Mm. So a lot of formative assessment, um, OTJs are made, we know about the upside down pyramid, um, we use mainly um, formative assessment things from groupings when we're making our OTJs, but also we do use nationally norms tests, but they make up a smaller part of, of how we make our OTJ. Um, we've implemented this year in ETAP a summary, um, like a summary what would you call it, a summary mark book. Mm -hmm. So over the year, when we're working with kids, we can put in data um, or results from different things that we see. And so at the end of the year, when we're making OTJs, we have it all in one place. So we can see they did this and this and this and this, and, and it makes it a lot easier for us as a whole school and for teachers to make OTJs twice a year. Um, yeah. So, yeah, just to add on, so... I guess primarily assessment is used in a formative way to improve teachers' teaching and mm -hmm. student learning. So that's the overarching statement. And as Karen said, so what falls from that is um, firstly a school-wide assessment schedule, which, if you like, dictates the yeah. different assessments and they're mainly standardised tools that are used. But in addition to that, and predominantly teachers are using assessment day-to-day, -day, um, they use mm -hmm. their own formative use of ESL and so on. And so... And then we have as much student ownership as possible of the rubrics and so on. And then another, I guess, prong of that is the um, um, more 
the rigorous assessment for our priority learners. So we, we do more assessment and monitoring of those. And in addition to those things, are the um, reporting to the board um, on assessment in general each term and also on our targets. So, okay. yeah, assessment for learning, but um, yeah, has a, a number of different mm. tiers, formative yeah. and some summative for, um, you know, the NAGs and, and for our board purposes. Right, so you sort of mentioned a whole range of assessment <laughs> practices there. Have you found any that are the most useful and I guess maybe talk from uh, a management sort of level and then also maybe a classroom uh, teacher? You go for management. Um, to, to be honest, this year I think what's been um, most useful uh, is to hone in, like we used to have achievement targets, which were, you know, we want, you know, very much in line with the national targets. We want 80% of our students to be at and above and reading, writing, maths. Well, well, they seem quite meaningless. What we've done this year is we've we've made our targets a lot more specific, so they're in line with the, the long tail, and so our target are Māori boys, and we have a, obviously a smaller number of those, so we look at those and we rigorously monitor and, and you know, the assessment and the progress of those students so what's that's so I guess that what I'm saying is in terms of an effective assessment practice as we've found um, in reporting we've found making this the focus more specific in line with our target and um, having um, more in-depth reporting on how that target is going rather than trying to be all things to all people and particularly with that top level of reporting yeah yeah and what about in the classroom? What are some um, probably the tools that we use, and they may be different across syndicates, obviously, because we have um, the Māori medium and bilingual as well. But probably our go-to ones would be um, we tend to use ASTL formatively. So some people use you can use it summatively, and the kids the kids hang on to that. The kids quite like ASTL because it gives them a I'm this level, and they know the level. So the kids hang on to that a lot. Um, but we often use that formatively, so once you've, they've done an ASTL test, it can generate a group pathway or an individual learning pathway, um, so we'll use those. Um, PATs were new this year, so we have, we've used them a little bit, but not as in-depth as what we can do. Um, ARBs, the ARBs, Assessment Resource Banks, those we use those quite a lot. Um, if we're wanting to see how kids are going, um, you know, kind of against the, a level, like we just did a level four reading thing on inferencing, because that's what we've been focusing on, just to kind of see, okay, are they achieving at level four or, you know, um, we use those. Um, the rubrics, obviously, how rubrics that we've developed, um, are they achieving, Have they? can they tick that sort of, so to speak, off on their rubric? And um, I guess that um, the rubrics time very much with the use of learning intentions and success yeah. criteria, yeah. so teachers plan um, from the our rubrics and then you'll have a learning intention and success criteria, so yeah. then the kids are saying, well, I did well at this and yeah. I need to do that, so that's on that more micro level, isn't it? Yeah. But that's what we'd like to see the most of, isn't it? Because that's yeah. that student ownership. Yeah. 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 All right. So, so in terms of longitudinal, what have you seen the change in assessment practices over time? Is it something that's been fairly yeah. consistent or you, you've been through some changes recently? Would you say you've been here longer than me, Karen? Um, I think it's changed. It's There's a lot less, well, sort of goes in ups and downs, really. It, uh, years ago, we were it was really full on. We were doing lots every term and everything. Then it sort of sort of teetered off a bit. Then Astel came in, and a lot of people were just using that summatively. Now we use that formatively. Um, it's almost like you have the school assessment schedule, the things you have to do, and within that, each syndicate will kind of have their own. T 
tools, so to speak. See, we use Maths Buddy in our syndicate, but we're the only syndicate because the parents have to pay for it. And we can absolutely use that for formative and summative assessment for our kids' maths progress. So each syndicate has kind of given the autonomy to use tools that, that work best for them sometimes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But would you, and would you say in each syndicate assessment is more rigorous for priority learners? Assessment for learning is yeah. more rigorous for I think priority so. learners? I, yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not so much a checklist anymore. It's more you assess and use that to inform your teaching, whereas it used to be when I first came here, it's like you're doing this assessment yeah. and you tick them off to say whether they can do it, the checklist sort of message. So when I say assessment more rigorous, that might be your learning conversation yeah. or your learning yeah. pathway or yeah. you're yeah. working with them on the rubrics. It's not, yeah. a, it's not so much. It used to be very teacher-driven okay. and the kids had assessment done to them, but now it's sort of trying to, to do it with them more so, yeah. So, so you mentioned the school schedule, so how does the assessment feed into reporting and how often do you report to parents, parent conferences? Can you just give us a um, So we have learning that? conferences twice a year. We've had one in Term 1. We have at the end of Term 1. Um, that's our first one, sort of just how they're going, settling in, setting some goals. Um, we report in writing to parents twice a year, so we've got reports coming out shortly, which will be followed up a week later by another learning conference. So any things that have come up from the report can be discussed at that learning conference. And then we um, have a final report in Term 4, and that's our final assessment. But we also have our priority learners. So in the TAI groups, the Teach Action Inquiry groups, those those um, kids, their parents are involved in that process, so they will be having regular contact, maybe daily, weekly, um, for the TAI kids with right. parents. Yeah. Okay. Um, you also mentioned about, you know, you're obviously in different syndicates. Yes. Um, you, you've got some flexibility within those syndicates to do some different practice. Yeah. Uh, how do you ensure consistency across those syndicates? So, ooh, moderation. Uh, moderation. We do moderation within our syndicates, and then we do across our syndicates. So we have had a, a staff meeting this week on writing and reading because we're about to make OTJs for our report. So um, we were put into groups from different syndicates and people had to bring evidence of a student, a random student in their class on reading or writing and we all look at that, decide what level, discuss, um, so moderation across the school. So within the syndicates and then across the school as well. Okay, and it's yeah. just samples of work, pick three kids from your class, bring them in and we'll yeah. compare them against yeah. them. And then the student, the teacher has to kind of justify, well, I, this is the OTJ that I'm giving them, like early level four, this is what I think, and then other teachers look at it. So it's like that critical friends kind of relationship, yeah. and discuss, argue, you know, to try and find the best fit, what we all agree on. Mm. Yeah. And how do you manage that process? It's a staff meeting once yeah. a term, it's a... Ha yeah. Yeah, and so that same would happen with ES or writing. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's we use a, a quite a, a structured process if you like. We call it blind moderation. As if the three of us were sitting around a table, then you would share the students' work, and we would go, okay, I'll go um, early level four, and I wouldn't tell you. Yeah, and right. We'd do it, and then we'd all put it out because otherwise we find that I'll just copy what you've put. Yeah, so yeah, we yeah. want that dissonance. That's the. And we yeah. want that rich discussion that leads to an agreed understanding of 
the characteristics of the standard. I mean, we've done a lot of work on that in our school in the last few years, from even before when you came. So that's a process, I think, that's very much embedded. I think initially it was teachers were quite nervous about it because other people were going, well, yeah. your, your judgment's not right. But the way it's done, it's done in such a way that it actually builds up teachers' capability especially yeah. young teachers, because they hear the conversations from more experienced teachers and the evidence that they use, you know, so it's actually really good and there's no, there's never any yeah. worry, and, do you yeah. know what I mean? And I yeah. think what the bottom line is, if you make an OTJ, it has to be defensible, so you need to be able to say, you know, you've made that OTJ of at for that child, talk to me about that, show me, you know, yeah. and you can talk about a multiple amount of evidence that shows that, so it's not a... It's not a gut. Yeah, it's right. a, a defensible OTJ. Yeah. Yeah. It's the evidence that sits evidence behind Evidence based. Us. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, and that can be anecdotal, but um, it needs to be um, mm. reflective of a range of sources, formal yeah. and um, informal. Okay. Uh, what about key competencies? You have a formal uh, assessment process for key competencies. It's a gut feeling. It's a. We don't actually uh, report on the key competencies as such, okay. but we kind of do it within our general comments. And the stars is, um, stuff. So we have our stars, and in the kids' reports, there are three things that they are. They say self-assessment, how they are doing, so teamwork, um, that sort of thing. So they kind of align, and our stars align with the key competencies. But in terms of actually reporting on the key, the five key competencies, we don't we don't do them using that exact language. So I guess what we've done, you know, with the NZC is, you know, like every primary school, we've got our own school-based curriculum and that's, the STARS has supported us to personalise the key competencies yeah. okay. and um, then, yeah, like you say, students yeah. do, and in every context we expect, okay, so how are you being a team, you know, how are you working with others and how mm. are you doing it outside, how are you doing it inside, how are you doing it out in the community, blah, blah, so yeah. range of contexts, being able to apply those skills that, that do come from the key competencies but are our personal yeah. take on it, eh? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, what, what about next steps in refining assessment? Now, just to, before we started recording, you mentioned PAP, which I know a couple of other schools in the community are looking at. Um, is is you, you've had a good look at PAP? Is that your next step? You've got other directions that you want to head in. You're happy with assessment practices at the moment? I think because we've got, um, our, this year we're looking at a culturally responsive lens. I think that will probably be the next step. Is are our assessment practices culturally responsive? For all our learners, are they a good? I mean, I know we've got some kids in our syndicate that are gifted and talented, and they don't do school well on ASTL testing. And the reason is, is they they uh, they they're thinking they're very capable, but they they take a lot of time, so they don't finish the test. So their scores come out quite poorly. Um, but we know that they're more capable of that. So then, do we? Is that tool a good th- one to use for them? Is there better ways with our dyslexic students who you know? So looking at culturally responsive assessment and are there other ways that we can be, um, you know, making making assessment better for our priority and learners and for all kids, yeah. Like, I think the teachers yeah. marking those ears still writing, oh, like, no. there's got to be, it, it's, you know, what, 20, 30 minutes per child? Yeah, absolutely. Times that by 30, like, um, yeah, so the efficiency mm. in practice, and I guess... Bottom line, I think, is we need to build the assessment capability of our students mm. because at the end of the day, that's sustainable and that mm. is um, them owning their learning. Um, we have a range of abilities in terms of being able to do that, but I think that's where the rubber hit the road in terms of Hello. Um, improving learning. 
Yeah, that's uh, so, right, that, so now, can you maybe talk a little bit more about that? Because, uh, you, you know, if you look at that sort of uh, the literature base, we started off with assessment for learning. That was a bit of a buzzword in the 2000s. And, um, you know, Hattie and, and, and Plopton Robson put out that um, Directions in New Zealand assessment, which specifically mentions that idea of, you know, assessment capabilities. Community, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, so what does that mean at, at Total Intermediate? So, um, I guess that what it means is um, making the learning visible, having the student ownership of what of knowing what they're learning, um, where they, what a successful learning in that area looks like, um, where they're at and what they need to do next. So really owning the learning from, from sort of go to woe yeah. um, and that it means as much as possible involving stakeholders, parents and whanau. Um, yeah, I think it comes, it comes down to visible learning and, and the, the regular reflection and, and next steps and looking at a that it's, um, micro level but also at a more macro level too. So if I've done all these things, what does that look like in terms of national standards? Right. So And it also means them leading the student-led conferences um, with evidence. So, I mean, a, a personal goal would be for the teachers and students to be able to work collaboratively to decide on their OTJ. I think we're a long way away from that. Mm. But I think that would be an ultimate, um, for me personally, to think that, you know, that a student comes up to you and says, look, I'm at, I'm at an at, or um, my reading, and this is why. But, yeah, that's, that's an assessment capability community, I think. I that, think yeah. though some kids are, I think there's kids that are close to doing that, those mm -hmm. higher level. The kids working at level four, level five, I think, have the capacity to probably almost be able to do that. I would like to think they can, but I think the lower kids... Really, that's probably a little bit beyond them. They're, they're more looking at the short-term goals. This is my next little thing that I'm aiming at. I think the higher up the school, the, or the higher the academic level of the kids, the more capable they are. I'm pretty sure that a lot of my maths kids could tell you exactly so, who they are yeah, and why. So I think, and so when I look at yeah, those that are capable and those yeah. that aren't, what do we need to do to support them to be more yeah. capable? Because yeah. right. that, that, that's about assessment as very much part of teaching and learning, not something at the end and, and so on. But, yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. A, a long road. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier you um, have put some work into putting the learning progressions into KidSpeak or child friendly. Yeah, we sat down and we developed our own rubrics for reading and writing and maths. Related and to the learning progressions? Absolutely, what that's what yeah. we use. Yeah. Yeah. The synthesis yeah. of it and putting it all into child speak and breaking it down into different levels so that the kids could see in one rubric, okay, if I'm level two, at this then, this is my next steps. Here I am to be at level three, this is what I need to be doing in at level four. And so every student in the school has a rubric for reading, yeah. writing and maths. Yeah. And the idea is that for the indicators, they show evidence. Show evidence. So they're yeah. always looking, okay, I've done this, what does that show? Well, that shows I use a range of yeah. structures. That shows that I use complex punctuation. That shows that you know, my ideas are beyond my own experience, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, so those are things that we are refining too mm -hmm. because we've got um, laptops and iPads and so the technology got a little bit in the way last year so we've been trying to make it easier because on the iPads, the way we've got it, it's not really simple for the kids so mm -hmm. that's something that yeah. we're looking at, how can we improve the use of those with iPads because everyone now has an iPad one-to-one. -one. Yeah, so has that had any impact, positive, negative, neutral on assessment? Have you been able to leverage those devices to make some assessments more efficient? Has it gotten in the way of? I think it would have been because before we had those, people had to book the computer suites if they wanted to do an astral test with their whole class or they had little pods. Um, now people can do, if they want to, they can do those assessment 
use those assessments for a little group in a weekly thing if they want to. They could do a little mini test on a reading group to see what they are and use that assessment to to do their next step. Not so you don't have to be so planned. Yeah, it doesn't have to be so planned. It can actually happen spontaneously yeah, if you see a need. So things like that have made that's certainly made it I'd say easier. Yeah. I mean for, we've always had the laptop so it hasn't really been an issue for us. Mm. But I guess that would be mm. right, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, in no, mainstream. Yeah. Um, we're, I've sort of got to the end of that question list, but I know you were going to talk about um, assessment in the Māori medium. Mm. Is so that Māori, right? Yeah, so Aramatawai um, Māori education um, assessment looks um, in some parts similar and some parts um, different. So um, at the school, we still utilise all the ASTOL assessments for um, Pangaro, which is maths, Tuhituhi, which is writing, um, and um, Panui, which is reading. However, um, and then there's the equivalent as well. So we've got um, Horapa, which is pro, which, um, equivalents and equivalents to gloss. So a lot of the assessments that they are utilising are very, very similar to mainstream. Uh, what is different is uh, based their assessments, um, they've got... Um, four curriculum areas that they assess, so Pangaro Maths, Panui, um, Reading and Tuhi Tuhi Writing, but they've also got Kōrero Awaha, which is their ability to um, converse and speak in Te Reo Māori. Um, and they have got four our, um, in Matai House, we've got six classrooms, three of those are level three, um, Māori Immersion, and that looks like 50% um, instructional Māori, in, in, in Māori um, and 50% in English but at this school they are um, assessed against national standards it's NZC based okay. um, whereas our we've got three classrooms um, two, uh, one level two and two level one classrooms they're 80% Māori um, 80 to 100% Māori Rumaki and they um, are um, they use Marautanga to Marautanga Aotearoa, which is their curriculum based, um, and therefore they aren't using national standards like NZC, they are based on Nafanakitanga. So, um, and they are based in those four curriculum areas, and so that's the Reading, Running Maths, and Kōrero Awaha. So, um, there is some similarities, absolutely, um, but there is some slight. Um, differences too. Okay, maybe could you give us a bit of a, a flavour of some of those differences, you know, if we're looking at a, a assessment, mm -hmm. how, I suppose can you think of an example of an assessment practice that might be a bit different um, so in your context? So the kōrero awaha is a one-on-one -on -one, um, in terms of its um, assessing their ability to, to converse in, in Māori, so it's kind of like a Māori language check, so that's something that's different and unique to um, Māori medium. Um, also, too, is the um, the challenge, I suppose, that I'll put out there in terms of um, for our Level 3 classrooms that are assessing against NZC, but they have got a 50% expectation of teaching Māori. So, in terms of assessment, they're assessing against NZC and they're assessing against national standards, but unlike mainstream who have got 100% of their time to direct their teaching and learning on 100% of NZC, these teachers in level 3 have got 50% of Māori to be taught as well. So there's a challenge around trying to get the, the content and the, um, the coverage, if you like, right, yeah. in terms of assessment. So um, one, one highlight for us is that the... Um, Teachers, when they're doing the assessments, it doesn't always encapsulate 
all of their um, all of their learning because they've got the the Te Reo Māori language uh, aspect. It's like a two curriculums well. in one. It yeah. is. So they're teaching a dual curriculum effectively, um, but assessing against NZC. And you know their rate of progress isn't always going to necessarily match mainstream because of that pressure of dual curriculum. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Karen mentioned a little bit earlier about moderation practices within the school. Yes. So um, obviously you can do that with the English medium yes. content that you teach. How do you do it for for the Maori medium? Fantastic. Um, another another really big frustration is the lack of exemplars for Maori medium. Um, so currently they have one exemplar for Tuhitui writing to go. For to go on, so as you can imagine. So um, currently, Matai um, to Final Tomato are on a um, MOE SPD contract for one year, which um, commenced the 1st of May. Um, and in the, it is um, directed by a facilitator. So we've got um, Anahida Aku um, Hata from um, Kia Atamai um, Educational Trust, and she is facilitating over the next year um, a journey for us, which includes around moderation. And so that's moderation within our three um, a total of Māori immersion um, classes, which because the students write um, and, and assess in Māori, um, and it also will build exemplars for us as a school. Um, but also we want greater consistency of, around moana, so around tauranga, um, and that will look like um, moderation across schools as well. So with our contributing schools that we have, so like Maumatapu, the kids come to us, um, and even some of our non-contributing schools like Farikuroa Māua, who are actually effectively in competition to some extent, but we, you know, we it's for the greater good of the of the students, and we want some consistency and yeah. and a book and a building of resources for around exemplars so that we get that better consistency. Yeah. So um, previously we have moderated across schools um, as well, so it has already happened in the past, but we just want to put some better structures in place um, yeah. and build those exemplars. Yeah, it sounds like a great opportunity for. The, the community are learning, isn't it? Working it is. across those different schools. Exactly, because there's quite often, um, if, you know, there's some big challenges for Māori medium, so it's really important that we build that consistency and, and build a united front for, for our learners. Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, anything else that we need to, to mention that helps tell us the story of assessment at um, Tauranga Intermediate? We've covered quite a, a wide range of... Oh, you've got in here about all in Aylan. We've got yeah. we've got a permanent. Um, she's is she permanent? Is Katie in here permanently for a year? So she's doing the um, literacy contract. Okay. So she does. Um, ta she's targeted into classrooms, isn't she? She's in classes, or it's pull out. No, pulls kids it's, out. no, it's in, in, in class. class. So we've um, over the last couple of years, we've been involved in um, a variety of MOE contracts. One is the um, all accelerated. Um, literacy learning, um, and one is ALIM, um, so accelerated learning in mathematics yeah. as well. Um, they have um, taken a variety of approaches. Um, ALIM was a withdrawal program, um, and it was actually a class program as well, so we've had both running um, at various times, um, and um, all it was exactly the same as well, a withdrawal program, and now it's an in-class program, so it's about um, building teacher capabilities. Um, not just students' capabilities. Um, so, and then um, coming, stemming from ALIM was um, our MST, which is um, another ministry um, initiative and where we had um, a teacher upskill, um, including postgraduate study in mathematics. 
um, and then um, she became our lead teacher of mathematics across our school as well. So, uh, we, you know, with the MOE initiatives, we've, you know, utilised those to our big advantage of upskilling teachers um, and also to refine our assessment practices to align with best practice. All right, well, okay, thank you very much for your time this morning. Thanks to Rochelle and her absence who had to dash off and do her DP um, responsibility. So, yeah, hopefully that gives um, people a flavour of assessment at Tauranga Intermediate.